Welcome back to Nerds RPG Variety Cast. I'm your host, Jason. Today is just a quick response show. Daniel Norton over at Bandit's Keep recently released a caller response show where he answered some calls and they were talking about traveling rules. And although Daniel plays a variety of games, Daniel, in this case, is mainly looking at older versions of D&D. And, and, and a, a good way to do travel that doesn't get boring. And Andy Goodman weighed in how he doesn't didn't think 5th edition, at least the base 5th edition rules, did it very well. So it's an interesting show, and Andy's episode, or I'm sorry, Daniel's episode's pretty short. I'll try to link in the show notes. So, you know, maybe you want to go listen to that. But I don't really think you need to hear that, you know, to understand what I'm talking about. Basically, how do we make travel interesting? Well, I'll tell you one time when I didn't. I ran a ICRPG game that was Colonial Gothic. So it was the Colonial Gothic setting, but you or, or that kind of idea, you, you know, weird supernatural horror things in the background during colonial times in the U.S. So, but I was using ICRPG to run it. Anyhow, in this game, the governor of Virginia it called in the players and asked them to go out to a fort out on the frontier and investigate some strange doings. So, and it was winter, and we did some traveling. And I wanted to, I wanted to build up the suspense and the creepiness. And I made the mistake of basically we played through each night. So each day, we kind of glossed over the daytime. Yeah, you, you know, you go through the day, and they traveled. And then at night, we kind of simulated the watches, and I had them roll dice and do this. But but even though I was having them roll, I was kind of doing the Quantum Ogre thing, because the idea was that one of the characters, John Allen, largest character, in fact, was going to hear voices in the wind calling his name. And, and, he, and none of the other characters would hear it. And we did that, but we wasted a lot of time in that. And it kind of made us rush at the end of the adventure because it was an online game and a time hack. And, and I burned too much time up doing, the, doing that traveling part. So I don't know. Maybe it should have just been, you know, and on the third night during your watch, this happened, right? Roll, roll the dice. And if I wanted to be that character, just roll the dice, pretend that character that was picked. And then just, you know, said, during your watch, this happened. So that was a mistake on my part. But trying to play out each night and the watches on each night to put in that suspense and build that suspense didn't work. Partially because we had this time hack. And partially because I just kind of did kind of ham-fisted. What game I think does traveling... Because the idea here is we want traveling to be interesting. If you're doing a long journey... You don't want to play out the events of every day and every night and every watch, but you want them to have a couple of interesting encounters. And Daniel mentions, you know, lit, using literary devices, you, you know, and he mentions specifically King Solomon's Mines and how in that book, you, you know, do well when during this long journey, I won't bore you with the details, but we did have this one interesting thing happen, and that's kind of what we're trying to do with travel rules. I found that Against the Dark Master did this very well. I have not read the run... Yeah. Tongue-tied. I have not read The One Ring, and I have not read The um, Avengers of Middle-Earth. 
and they both have travel rules. And Daniel kind of mentioned that some of the Middle Earth game had travel rules, but he kind, but I think he, the impression I got from what he said was that his impression of those rules were that you would you would travel and you're rolling tables and your characters might lose some hit points or might get a condition or something like that, but you're not actually playing out the encounters. And I don't know if that's true or not because I haven't read those rules. But I have run against the Dark Master. And in Against the Dark Master, that's not how it works. So in Against the Dark Master, you figure out where you're going, and that kind of determines the danger level. I don't have the book in front of me. I'm driving, so I'm going off the top of my head. It's been, you know, months since I've run this game. But effectively, you plan out you're going to have X amount of encounters, depending on the distance and the areas traveled through and this and that. And there are a bunch of different tables you know, for different kinds of areas. There's a swamp table, and there's a woodland table, and there's a, you know, plains table, and things like that. And and so when we did it, they traveled, and and effectively they have one or two interesting encounters each block of the journey. And then you would actually play those encounters out. So one of our encounters, when they were on the river, was to encounter a ghost ship. And what I, the way I played that out was I had, you know, it was at night, and they were on the shore, they had their camp, and whoever's doing watch saw this ghost ship going down the river, you know. So it didn't have to be a really detailed combat encounter, but they still encountered the ship and they saw it. Or were they on the No, I'm pretty sure they were camped on the side of the river when that happened. And, and then there were different encounters. They, I don't remember all the encounters they had. They had something that slowed them down. Uh, maybe it was a bad rainstorm or something slowed down the progress. Um, I, I think their ship got damaged at one point. Um, and then another encounter they had is they came up to a hut that had undead surrounding the hut. And, of course, at that point they had a choice. They could either engage with the undead or they could, you know, just leave the scene and move on. They decide to engage and they, you know, save the people inside. And, and that worked out well. But the idea here was, that, you know, you'd roll in these tables and it would give you interesting encounters that you could plug in, and you could choose how detailed or not detailed they are. But it wasn't just a matter of, oh yeah, one of the party loses a quarter of their hit points or, or whatever. You, you actually did play out the encounters. And I think most people do want to play the encounters out, for the most part. I, I mean, if it's, you know, you're traveling down the river and you find out that the boat's been damaged, maybe you don't, you could play that you went through some rapids and that's the case. Or you could just say, you know, and, and you notice that the, you, you know, the axle on the wagon is has been damaged. At some point in the journey, maybe it was that hard bump you hit a couple hours ago. You're going to have to stop and, and fix the axle, and that's going to cost you an extra day. Maybe you just do it that way. I know for me, in I've said on this podcast before that Warhammer Quest, the 90s, RP, the 90s board game, Warhammer Quest, is by far my favorite dungeon crawl board game. And in Warhammer Quest, the most unappealing part of that game to me, although it's a neat mechanic, and I appreciate the mechanic, but it always felt unsatisfying to me. What were the travel rules? So in Warhammer Quest, you go in the dungeon, and, and it's a randomly generated dungeon normally. You know, and you have cards, and you put the car, you lay the cards out, or the map out. Anyway... You, you do the dungeon part, and then you travel back to town. 
And then when you get back to town, you can have town events and you can go drinking and do different things. But the travel between the dungeon and the town, all you did was roll on a table and you were stuck with whatever the result was. So it might be, you know, bandits hold you up or this or that. And the problem with that, of course, is once you're high-level adventurers and, you know, once you're fairly high-level in Warhammer Quest, you're pretty tough characters. And you're thinking to yourself, okay, well, let's fight the bandits. You know, we're not just going to give up half of our gold to the bandits. Let's fight them. We're super powerful characters. But, of course, the board game doesn't allow you to do that. And, And that always felt a little bit unsatisfying. And I think players in RPGs are going to be about the same way. I think most players aren't going to be satisfied if you just say, you know, bandits, you encounter bandits and lose half your gold. They want to actually play the encounter out. So something like the Against the Dark Master rules, I think, are pretty good. And Daniel, if you're interested in that, I can do it. I can work up a synopsis of those and shoot them to you. I don't know that the game's worth buying just for those travel rules. Um, but I do think those travel rules are a good way to do it. And with that, I'm going to end this short podcast. It's just a response to Bandit's Keep. And I will talk to you guys again soon. Take care.